Hey, it's Andrew here. Just before we start the podcast, wanted to let you know that Joel's not with us today. He was out sick, um, but we have Scott McLellan, and he's awesome. He has was a great conversation. We're going to talk about limits for the most part today, but at around the 27-minute marker. So I'm going to ask him a little bit more about his job. He's, he's a director at a tech company, as well as around the 31, 32-minute mark. Um, I talked to him about this project that he worked on to help deliver thousands of Bibles across the world and, and track that in a, in a digital app that he helped make. So really cool, cool guy, really great conversation. Hope you enjoy it. Hope you learned something. God is omnipresent. We are not. We are limited. We are limited biologically by our need of certain amounts of food, sleep, and oxygen, but our mortal bodies are also limited by the need for meaning significance and relationship we are limited but what if our limitations were actually a good thing what if we were made to be finite creatures in contrast to an infinite god what if the solution to our societal problems was not an elimination of our mortality but rather a deeper awareness of it what if our limits were good I'm Andrew Noble. Joining me is not Joel Jacob. He is away because his kids are sick and he's just trying to be a good dad. Um, so he has this week off as uh, Scott's. He wasn't supposed to fill in for him. He was just supposed to join us as a guest. But Scott's here. And uh, Scott, you are the director of engineering at Vidyard. I don't have to tell you this. You know this. I do. You're married. You have two young children. Um, and most importantly, in connection to me, you volunteered for orientation week back in 2008 with my wife. Um, so you, you've, you've done, you've done a few different things and you also do stuff at faith tech. What's your role at faith tech? Yeah. So I'm the city director for the sort of Kitchener Waterloo chapter. Um, I've been a volunteer with faith tech since, since it began, since that early kind of gathering in the coffee shop. I do remember that coffee shop gathering. We will talk more about Faith Tech in a future episode. They might even start their own podcast soon, so we'll have to link to that. Um, but Scott, I you have a lot on your plate. Um, would you say that you are aware of your limitations? I am definitely aware of my limitations, whether it's the number of hours in the day or just get enough sleep and sort of like my physical body and mortality. Uh, definitely something I embrace on a regular basis. Uh, and you like the idea of limits because you you were the one who reached out to me after I shared a podcast with you, someone else's podcast, and you're like, oh, this is interesting. This topic is exciting for me. Yeah, I do. It, it definitely like resonated with me and got me to reflect on my life and just different things that I'm doing where these limits are present. I'm, I'm right up against them. I'm feeling that friction and tension in my life, but maybe hadn't sort of seen it through this lens. And so it caused me to really reflect and sort of understand just some of the things I'm up against or some of the trade-offs that I'm making. It, it's, it's the little things like, oh, I, I got this thing that's really stressing me out at work. And I'm feeling that my capacity at work as, as a limit, but maybe I'm trading it for what am I doing on the weekend? Am I busy thinking about that? Or am I off spending time with my kids and investing in these relationships that I care about so much? Hmm. And that need for productivity is something that Kelly Capick talks about. Um, so he wrote a book called You're Only Human. Um, and so let me just play a quote from him. Yeah, I'm, I'm deeply concerned that as Christians and I'm a Reformed theologian, so I come from a particular tradition 
Um, and so I, I think I see this in us acutely, but I definitely see it beyond uh, just my circles. I think we confuse finitude and sin. And finitude is just a fancy term. We don't tend to use it a lot these days. It's really a fancy term for creature. <laughs> it, it doesn't, we tend to think of finitude as death, but actually it doesn't have to mean death. It just means limits. It means limited in how much you can know, how many places you can be, you know, you, it, uh, those kind of natural, normal limits that are part of our good. And so I'm concerned that we are constantly feeling guilty about things that are not sinful. They're just part of being a creature. And when we get confused between our finitude and sin, it actually distorts the Christian life. It distorts our worship. It distorts what Christian faithfulness looks like in our relationships. So I think the the implications are pretty significant. So Scott, do you think that people sometimes confuse um, finitude and their lack of ability to get things done with sin? I, I do. I do think they confuse those two or conflate them. Or they, they take it on themselves as like a personal failing that like I'm not enough, that I'm, I'm not doing all the things that I need to do, and that I'm just not where I need to be. As opposed to realizing what it truly is of like, no, it's just not possible to have or be or do all those things all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on one hand, you have this great creation mandate from God of like, be fruitful and multiply, and you have like this sense of being productive is good. And of course it is good. I'm not trying to contradict that, but also rest is a spiritual discipline. Even going to bed is a spiritual discipline. And that is not an easy thing for us when we live in a culture that so values productivity. And I, I don't know, it's, it's kind of like, I wonder if in our technological age, if we have become so accustomed to machines that do exactly as they are programmed to do, that we expect ourselves to be like machines. I think so. It's almost like our sort of standard of reference has changed. It's no longer like what I see out in nature or the world, but it becomes this like the machine as the standard of perfection. Um, So I come from a developer background and really whenever you program something or create something, it's doing exactly what you told it to. And so any of the bugs or issues or problems that are in that software, you, you put them there and it's, it's your accidents that kind of cause that to happen. And yet the machine is perfectly operating exactly the way you wanted it to. Yeah. We are not code. Uh, We are not software. We are not ones and zeros. We are far more complex and beautiful than that. You know, one of my favorite Psalms, let me grab it, is Psalm Psalm 103. And it's like this individual who's trying to remember all these amazing things about God. It's it, Some of you know it because it's turned into a song. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. You know, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So like, let's recount all these benefits of God. And, and I'll get to my point in a second. It goes through and it lists all these benefits about God. He redeems you, crowns you with steadfast love, satisfies you with good, you know, and it recalls how God is merciful and gracious and how he doesn't deal with us according to our sin, but forgives us. And as a father shows compassion on his children, so the Lord shows compassion on those who fear him. And then the very next verse, for he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone. 
It's gone. We're here today, gone tomorrow. That's who we are. We are like grass. We are not like machines with perfect um, memory. You know, like a machine can do the same thing or code can do the same thing over and over and over. Anybody who's played a sport knows you cannot do the same action over and over and over. We just screw up, right? And and we have these limitations. We need We need to die even, right? And that's in contrast to our God, who his love is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. So we need to change our reference. We're not machines. We're organic matter that has been breathed into by God to flourish and pursue God's glory on this earth. Right. Well, and yeah, it's it's kind of that, that reference and what you kind of are expecting. The Again, if we take that sort of like human versus technology example, um, you pick up your phone and the internet is instantly there at your fingertips. If you want an answer, you can just go and Google it and have everything you need. This, this is a foreign concept, right? If you, even if you go back 20, 30 years, like this isn't how people lived. This is, these are shifts that are happening kind of within our time. It's interesting there too, you reference like getting information so quickly. I think we can think of ourselves as trying to be like Google and having all the answers, knowing all the references. Like I, I feel this more graduating seminary, but I'm sure you even being a director at Vidyard, like, oh, I better know everything. Right, right. This sort of like idea that you should be able to know everything or even sort of that knowledge can kind of translate into this idea that I can control everything which I think is kind of a fallacy, right? Like you, you can't actually control many, many things in your life. And this is just one of those limits you need to embrace. You can, you can influence, you can try and understand up until your capacity, but otherwise things will kind of happen as they happen and you need to be okay with that. I like how you connected the lack of knowledge to control because I think that's our response to a lack of knowledge and i and i think you saw this in the pandemic it's like we need to control our environment either through an you know control in the sense of i am my own man i am my own woman i will not allow the government to take away my control and response there's that sense of like forcing our self assertion into reality or trying for it in opposition to the government or people who said the government needs to be more overbearing more overbearing is probably not the word to use, but but more controlling, more restrictions in order to curb this. Like control was the response to a limited set of knowledge, not to say that any action was wrong. I'm more not reflecting on the good or bad of it, just that our response to a lack of knowing things and then that step towards control and, and having this sense of fear because we lack control. Um, it, it's all kind of a reflection of lacking sitting in the fact that God is omnipresent and we are not, right? And I think if we rested more in not how we are like God, but how we are unlike God, that would go a long way to, you know, producing fruit in our lives. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely would agree. I think it's the, that kind of contrast of, this God who's all-knowing, omnipresent, understands kind of all things, and then ourselves who can't do that, that we get into trouble when we're kind of like shifting the order or feel that we can control or understand all these things. 
Yeah, it all goes back to this lie that Satan said in Genesis 3, right? Like, be like God. Yeah, it'll be great. Be like God. Don't you want to be like God? You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. I really appreciate Jen Wilkins' book because she helps us understand that we're, we're not like God. Um, here's what she says on this. And so anytime that I take something that is meant to only be true about God and then try to make it true of myself, I am violating a really sacred thing. And it's just not wise either. God has intentionally placed limits on humankind. And when we decide that we don't need to observe those limits and that we can be limitless like him, then we try to be like him in a way that we're not intended to be. We know that we're supposed to be conformed to the image of Christ, but sometimes we're not content with that. In fact, I would say we even neglect the ways that we can be made like Christ and spend all of our time chasing after ways that we're not intended to be like God. We want to be omnipotent in our own circles of influence. We want to be omniscient about what's going on with our kids. We're not designed to hold all knowledge. We're not designed to hold all power. And so when we reach out for those things and try to take on something that's only intended to be true of God, God, we can get into big trouble. But when we live within the boundaries that God has prescribed for us, when we cease from striving for the things that are only true of God, all of a sudden we find ourselves with the time that we should be placing toward growing in Christlikeness. One of the things that came up in the podcast with Mere Orthodoxy that Kelly Capix talks about is this sense of growth and sense of the spiritual walk in life being one where sometimes we put our pr- put pressure on ourselves to change really quickly and God's upset with us if we don't reach that you know destination of full maturity full christian maturity soon enough um how did that hit you how did how did you process that idea of progress takes time yeah i, I feel like that one definitely kind of like hit kind of close to home. I really loved how that kind of leans into just a view of God that's very, very different than kind of we are today. That again, in our kind of modern society where everything's instant and must happen now, this just strong feeling of how patient God is or how accepting God is of me as I am and not necessarily as someone who's perfect or has everything together. I don't need to be perfect to be good and to be lovable, that I'm just acceptable the way I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I loved the illustration of like a kid that like if you're a parent and your kid's trying to walk and they're coming up to you and they're stumbling and they're stumbling and then they fall and then they cry, you don't say to them, you idiot, what is wrong with you? get up, walk, you you idiot. Like, that would be a bad parenting approach. We would understand that. And Kelly is like, why do we think that God is like that? And I think this goes back to that, like, cruel taskmaster view of God, who is really more like a boss of a capitalist, industrialist um, business, as opposed to God being our father. A father has a different approach to the development of his children 
as opposed to a boss who is only interested in the production out of its employees. Right. There's a, there's a line again later in that mere orthodoxy podcast that really, really stuck with me. And this, this might be why it kind of keeps playing out for me because for myself as a manager, as a manager of managers, when I'm seeing that sort of, there are mistakes and there is progress. It's, it's having the kind of patience to see the relationship and the human on the other side of it, be willing to kind of work through that with individuals. One of the comforts or one of the challenges I have to keep giving myself is when I die at the altar of productivity and efficiency and getting more done, the real loss is love. The surprise is efficiency and productivity are often the enemies of love. And the God who could have created the world in a second, no matter what your view of creation is, didn't, which means efficiency and productivity aren't his highest models. He's comfortable with taking his time. And so we need to be more comfortable with things taking process and time. The, the quote that I loved was this sort of like the surprise that efficiency and productivity are often the enemies of love. And that if we're focusing so much on these aspects, we're losing the humanity in it. We're losing how these are just ordinary people going on that journey, just like we have, just like I've learned, just like everyone has to, to pick up these skills and what they need. Yeah, like one thing that I learned when I was on, because uh, I went on like a six-month parental leave with my daughter after she was about seven months. Um, and so my wife went back to work, and then I did like from seven to 13 months. And I just learned that I had this deep-seated desire for productivity that was not being fulfilled as just hanging out with a kid. And I think that, you know, talking during that time with other with other mothers, I'm not a mother, but other parents who are off with their kids, mostly women, um, you just kind of heard this sense of like, oh, I want to get back to work, you know, to, to just feel like I can get things done, right? Just to feel like I can, I can do something and how, like, like you were saying, like, is not it loving, isn't it loving to just sit with someone, and to just play with them and to laugh with them and to change their diapers and to feed them. Like those are inherent goods that don't fit into the same sort of mindset of getting something done. Um, but it is what love looks like. So that's where I think that that quote that you are referencing, it, it is really important, this sense of you know, don't just be worried about efficiency. Don't just be worried about what results from your actions. The actions themselves have inherent good in them. Um, and it might not look like anything on the metrics at the end of the week, um, but it's important to do that. Absolutely. I have many memories of like moments being at home with the kids in those, those early days where it yeah, it doesn't feel like we're doing much, but there's so much more going on that we're connecting in different ways. Maybe we're building a tower of blocks and then it falls down. And those moments feel like slow, but are also incredibly precious. And I kind of miss them now, years on, of how life has kind of accelerated for us. Yeah, and that's the thing that you always hear from 
parents of kids that are are grown it's like oh it'll go by so quickly enjoy it while while it happens um and we do kind of have this sense of like we always are reflecting on things that happened in the past we're always you know worried or thinking about the things ahead and if we are more aware of our limits then we will be more present because we will know we cannot change tomorrow as jesus you know says uh in the sermon on the mount like why do you care about tomorrow you can't change it going back to control what do we actually have control of can we control tomorrow no you can't and in fact like most things in your life you cannot control and i think we've really lost the sense of that or at least i have like just speaking personally i lose that sense of you know, I can't control everything. I just need to be okay with what happens in life. And I need to like not over expect things in my own life when I need sleep. My kids need sleep. Sometimes they don't get sleep. Sometimes they're sick. You know, you just have so many things that arise. We're seeing a global shortage and different supplies of food and stuff. Like we're so reliant, not just on, uh, on our, day-to-day in our individual households, but we're reliant on so many other things in the world. We, we have dependencies, right? Um, and I think that's how God created us to be, um, which brings me to another uh, clip that I'm going to play in a second, but do you want to say something? Yeah, it's just sort of that God sort of made us to be in relationship, to be connected, to have these ties to others that really make us complete. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the reality is we go to the grocery store, you know, our toilets work. All of that speaks of interdependence that we tend to not recognize. Mm. Right. And I have in an earlier chapter, a whole section on the theological importance of our belly buttons. Right. (laughs) So the, the fundamental argument of the book is we were made and this starts to relate to humility even before the fall, the way we were made as human creatures was always to be dependent upon God, to be dependent upon others and to be dependent upon the earth. That's the nature of what it means to be a human creature. Mm. And that's not sinful. That's all good. So I just love the contrast between living with independence as your sole goal, as opposed to a sense of dependence on the people around you, the earth around you, the God above you. Right. I just, I just, that resonates with me of like, oh no, I can't do it. I I just can't do it by myself. Right. Yeah, absolutely. The, I think that's, that's almost the fallacy in our modern culture that you, you can do it completely alone or we, we celebrate these like larger than life figures that seem to be, have it all together and be doing everything their own way. But when you peel it back, it seems like it kind of falls apart or the other parts of life maybe have significant challenges in it. And so, yeah, without those components of like the God above us, the others in our lives and just the earth that we all need to live in and survive from there. Yeah. It kind of all comes apart. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to think practically like beyond an awareness of our limits, like one thing that a friend of mine well, two of my closest friends don't work full-time. They work like 80% full-time jobs. Um, One, because of a health condition that came up. And so it started that way. And now he's like, why would I ever have it different than this? Now I can be with my kids in the morning and at dinner time, 
this makes sense for me and my boss is good with it. And the other is a nurse. And just because of his hours, it's, it's been like, yeah, why do I need to increase this financially? I don't need to. And I see how they are invested as dads in their homes. Um, and I respect it. And I'm like, Oh, there's something to learn here, perhaps in contrast to our society. Should we be thinking about working less? You know, maybe there'll be people who hear this and say, you know what, I, I'm just not capable of doing all the things that I want to do at home, in my church, in my workplace, and like in my community or my neighborhood. I can't do it all. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prioritize and be okay with not doing everything. Right. Yeah, I think this touches on like they're kind of making a different trade-off with their time. It, they're not sort of falling prey to this infinite to-do list that I'm going to keep cramming in more and more things instead of being more intentional with, you know what, I actually am very happy with my, my job and success there with 80%. And then how much more like full and complete can life be when you bring in these other elements that they, they want, or it's more time with the kids, or it's taking care of themselves and their health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that they can better embody what it means to be who God created them to be rather than merely tools with other tools, devices, technology to produce things for economic ends. It's like, no, 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 there's more to life than money. There's more to life than being productive. And I think that's one of the big takeaways for me in this is that sense of what is actually important and who was I created to be? Um, another thought in terms of practically applying this is, you know, God is not impatient with you for not being perfect yet. And though you should always seek to be as holy as God is holy, you do not need to get a sense that God is unhappy with you until you reach that day. And just that uh, that emotional burden to talk to yourself, reason with yourself and be like, okay, like I, yeah, I'm not perfect yet. I will pursue perfection. Yes. But I'm not going to live in a state of, I hate myself. I'm upset with myself. I'm not who I should be. Oh, this sucks. This sucks. This sucks. To just speak more logic based around your own limitations and how God has been patient with you. Yeah, I think there's there's almost a freedom in that, right? Because if, if you're really putting all that pressure and the desire to be perfect on yourself, then you're kind of always looking at it from this negative. Whereas if you can kind of flip it and see it as, no, I'm, I'm making progress. There are little wins and improvements along the way. And that, yeah, I'm not done this journey and just sort of embrace it for what it is. This, this joy of I'm, I'm getting to improve, I'm getting to spend this time with God, become more of a complete person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Well, we can keep talking about limits, but I'm I'm curious, and I think some listeners would be curious. Vidyard, the company you work at, does a lot with video. It's it enables companies to send videos and emails, and then turn that into marketing campaigns or sales. Uh, people use it in order to get customers to sign up for things, personalized video, et cetera, et cetera. But like the technology that you are obviously very familiar with. One of the things that you told me once is how you have to make sure that your product doesn't have any nudity in it. And the technology behind that is interesting. Do you want to explain it a little bit? 
Yeah, well, this is again kind of all my perspective, but it's the some of it's kind of setting limits for what you'd want or ways in which that we're okay with the product being used or not used. And so it's really, really important to understand what that content is and be looking for things that are kind of not okay. Um, and, and so but how does the technology work? How do you, how does that happen? How do you prevent it? Yeah. Yeah. So in some ways it's seeing all of the content that comes in and then being able to evaluate it and see, Hey, is this okay? Or is this not okay? And it's, it's definitely been, like not a perfect slam dunk. It's, it's been something we've needed to iterate on. Um, I remember when we first started testing it and using it, it thought that our product person behind it, um, that all of her videos were bad. Like none of her videos were okay. And it was just someone recording a normal video like we are here talking um, just because you could see her face a lot. And, and, so it's, and just to clarify, this is like artificial intelligence or is it, it's just some, some program that, that views the videos for you, or is it humans watching every single video that is created with Vidyard? Right. Yeah. In order to make this scale and make it doable, it, it has to be like a machine learning kind of model so that we can run all the like thousands of hours of videos that are created through it to then understand, is this safe for work? Is this not safe for work? And so we've had a few iterations to try and refine it and improve it and make it better so that it's catching more of the things we want to catch and missing some of those false positives. Like this is just someone recording a video as they would. Right. Yeah. Right. The, the salesperson who loves to do most of his demos topless in front of a barbecue. It, it's hard <laughs> to pick out from other things that you, you'd think. Totally. Totally. What are the, uh, what are the major problems that you're trying to wrestle with at work right now, whether on a person level or technical level? Right. Uh, most of the problems that I'm trying to wrestle with at work are uh, relational in nature. It's, it's me and peers, maybe not seeing the world in the same way and just sort of like learning from each other for how do we want to work together and, and get the outcomes that we want to achieve. Um, I'm thinking we're trying to take on a few new big projects in an interesting way. And, and so that's causing tension and friction. And, and so how do we come together and, and work through those disagreements or challenges so that, yeah, we're, we can get the best outcome that we can for the business. Uh, it's, it's been interesting because it's, it's causing us to think differently or try and be scrappy or, or think through unknown unknowns. And so we take that back to our earlier conversation. We, can't control those, but there's things we can do to understand them and we can move along that path. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a challenge in any position of leadership in order to move something forward with a team that might not be fully invested. And, you know, the thing is, is that you could spend as a leader, you know, X hours per day with each individual to help them understand all the rationale behind that thing that you're pushing. And it's true that some of their doubts are probably legitimate doubts. It's just that if you look at the evidence, the way that the leadership team is looking at it, it's like, well, you have to go with it. But then you have to like do this trade-off of the person that wants to, or, or has some hesitation. And yeah, it's, it's a challenge. I can understand it. And it, it's funny to think about limits in, in comparison to it. That wasn't necessarily my intention with bringing it up, but it certainly exists. 
yeah, even that, the like relational dynamics, I've, I've learned the like the stronger I come in as a leader and like, this is the way it will be done. The more guaranteed I am to be absolutely rejected and completely miss the mark. And, and so, yeah, how you, how you approach or kind of work with others to like get outcomes or even just solve problems together, I think has been really, really interesting for me to like learn and grow as a leader. Hmm. what's uh tell me about share bibles you and i were were talking about that years ago is it still happening are people still sharing bibles and using the product that you created yeah pe- people are still sharing bibles people are still using the product we created um th- this is one of my like favorite sort of moments throughout my my volunteering with faith tech um, I was really fortunate to be able to go with James and visit sort of Faith Tech Vancouver at one point. And in that, I, I met this guy named Sean. And Sean had this idea for a project, and he's been working with this guy named Rob, who lives in Thailand, uh, to try and create this thing called Share Bibles. And, and so I thought that was amazing. It sounded like this really awesome opportunity that we could really, really help some missionaries on the ground. And so Rob and I got in touch and sort of over the years worked to create this sort of solution for the pains that he was having in his ministry uh, that then eventually kind of became Share Bibles. And yeah, Rob's continued to like run with it and do it. And over time has become like quite the developer himself and has sort of like taken it on on his own to continue to like run and maintain. But it's been really, really awesome to sort of like lean into like helping on that project, but also my relationship with Rob and like learning through him and kind of his journey. Uh, yeah, R- Rob and I still, even though I'm not like actively working on the project, we still like get together and chat once a month about how's life and how are things and just just our own kind of growth and, and journey as we go. And uh, he's the one who loves that passage about the building of the temple and how God creates individual or what what is is that the guy is that the context that that is the guy of yeah i'm not as uh, quick on the quote but yeah it's the the old testament passage where they have this needs and everything kind of comes together that they have the right people with the right knowledge and the right material and that that's kind of what what it was for rob um, he had this idea, this like passion, this thing he wanted to see in the world that he thought could be useful. And he was missing uh, people like myself that could help build that and make it a reality. And, and so, yeah, since then, he, he now too has, has some of those skills. And yeah, we successfully handed out like tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Bibles uh, through that project and, and now can see sort of that impact that they're able to have worldwide. Mm-hmm. There's a good video. We'll link to it in the show notes of just what this share Bibles thing is. It's kind of ironic, the idea of sharing physical Bibles and then tracking it with this digital product that you made. Um, and so some people take some time to just simply understand what's going on in this project. Right. Um but um, no, it's doing good in the world and it's, it's making sure that people have access to God's word, uh, which is very cool. Um, so this has been WWJT thinking through how even, even Jesus was limited. 
he he thought that was a good idea, though he, as Philippians two says, was in very being God, he he limited himself, taking on human form. It's been said that what is the speed of God? Well, it's three miles per hour, because that's how fast Jesus walked when he was on earth. And so we too have limits, just like Jesus did. So we too will live in this world with the ups and downs of our own expectations not being met, and the awareness that we are dependent on things around us, on our family members, our communities, our churches, the earth, and God. Scott, any closing thoughts? Yeah, I think as you were saying that, really, it helped me, it brought me back to the reflection that ultimately all of those are good, right? Those, those limits are kind of reorienting you back and pointing to you to these things that are really important in your life, to God, to those relationships, and just sort of the earth that we live in. So the point of limits is to see the one who is unlimited, to see the God who is omniscient, omnipresent. He is the one who created us. He is the one that's infinite. So that's uh, that's our podcast for today. Um, we'll be back every other week uh, with a new episode. Uh, my name's Andrew. Oh, I'm not supposed to say my name. So I'm just supposed to say I'm Andrew because that's cooler. And I'm Scott. <laughs> nice. This has been WWJT encouraging you to use tech, find rest, and glorify God.